In 2014, a sensational trial gripped LA. It was the story of a former LA firefighter who assaulted a woman for feeding a cat. Video footage captured the assault and was played repeatedly at the trial. The firefighter was convicted and sentenced to six months in jail. A firefighter and his mother accused of attacking a woman for feeding stray cats in their neighborhood. Eyewitness News reporter Leo Starr with us live in downtown LA with more on that exclusive video, plus the first interview with the alleged victim. Leo? 47-year-old Rebecca Stafford says she was repeatedly punched by LA City Fire Engineer Ian Ulian following a heated confrontation. Stafford says things turned physical when she refused Ulian and his mother Lynetta Fontaine's demands to stop feeding stray cats in the neighborhood. This sounds like a full-on crazy LA story. Angry neighbor is fed up with the cat lady and things go south. The trial is focused on who threw the first punch, but it doesn't ask another question. Why was she feeding stray cats in his neighborhood in the first place? And why was he so upset about it? Welcome to The Labyrinth, a series of stories that intersect like passages in a maze. Can you find your way out? The Responsibility of Feral Cats Felis catus, more commonly known as the humble, domesticated cat, sometimes roams away from home and becomes wild again. In this episode, Niaz Sasunian guides you through a cat's cradle story of responsibility and moral failure in the twisting passages of the feral cat controversy in Los Angeles. It turns out there is not just one stray cat in your neighborhood, there are many. There are an estimated 400,000 stray cats, also known as feral cats, homeless cats, community cats, wild cats, roaming Los Angeles. Surely, you've seen them. I used to work for a special effects house, and we took over these two huge industrial buildings, and I'd see these ladies outside feeding these cats. So finally I stopped, and I asked them what they were doing. They said, we're feeding these cats. And I said, whose are they? And they said, no ones. And that's when it was like, what do you mean, no ones? I went home to Mark and I said, honey, there's homeless cats. What are we going to do? Have you ever looked at a feral cat and thought of it as homeless? If you saw a hungry, stray cat, would you feed it? Have you thought about what happens to this cat after it's fed? Have you ever seen a cat with a litter of kittens? Has a cat ever brought you a gift? A feral cat is defined as an unowned domestic cat that lives outdoors and avoids human contact. The increasing feral cat populations seen on the streets are not wild, but the product of irresponsible humans that abandon unsterilized cats, making them, well, homeless. 
Cats fend for themselves. If that's the case, what responsibility do cat owners hold? Who is responsible for these cats being homeless? People's attitude towards cats are everything from they're a substitute for my child to I keep it around because, uh, you know, uh, it might kill a mouse once or twice around my house, uh, you know, and everything in between. I think, you know, generally as a society, we're progressing towards more and more responsibility. More and more humans feel the pull of responsibility for these homeless cats. But the term responsibility is ambiguous. Do we mean who is causing the feral cat problem in the first place? Or do we mean who is responsible for managing and taking care of these cats? Is it you? Is it the city of Los Angeles? Nonprofit animal welfare organizations? The cats themselves? To understand the feral cat problem, it helps to think of it as a kind of concentric circle of responsibility. There is no one cause, no single place where the problem begins, but many causes embedded in each other, overlapping and confusing the issue. Let's look at one of these circles, cat owners who let their cats roam outdoors. But first of all, bring them in. The cats don't belong outdoors. They're not pumas. They're domestic animals that we raised to live in our homes. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're letting them out. When pet owners let cats roam, they relinquish responsibility over these animals to the public and to the community. The freedom of that cat can come at the expense of the community and the ecology. Roaming cats kill birds, rodents, lizards. They might carry diseases. They might decide one day not to come home for good. And really, like most of us, they are looking for love. Love in the form of food and compassion from people, but also love in the form of sex. And if not fixed, will increase the feral cat population by mating with other feral cats. As Ernest Hemingway put it, one cat just leads to another. In Los Angeles, this has created a massive controversy around feral cats, with cat lovers on one side taking responsibility for the care and flourishing of cats, and environmentalists and veterinarians on the other warning of the possible downsides of such care. You know, how can you have responsible pet ownership for people who have owned pets and then allow others to take care of these animals on the landscape? What what incentive is there as a cat owner to keep your cat either inside or on your property or properly even cared for? You could just say, oh, that's not my cat. I just feed it. It's some feral. Do cats belong on the streets? Are they wild animals or not? Where do they belong? Many cat owners insist that their cats need to be outside because it is in their nature to roam, to hunt, to kill, to live like a wild animal. 
But cats are also clearly domesticated creatures who depend on the help of humans to be as successful as they are, especially in a city. People are on the side of compassion when it comes to animals, and I think that's one of the things that actually unfortunately feeds a little bit of this problem. So what what will happen is, oh, I see this poor, sort of dirty, unthrifty coat um, cat or kitten who's pretty clearly not a pet cat uh, in my neighborhood, and I want to help him. So what I'm going to do is just leave out some you know, cans of cat food. And I think that I'm helping him, and, and you are, because it's like a, a beautiful, noble thing to do. <laughs> but the problem is, unless you close that loop and eventually catch that cat and get him spayed or neutered, all you're really doing is making him well enough to reproduce. Feeding cats, it seems, opens up a new circle of responsibility. Although there is a feeling of responsibility to feed them, the responsibilities of other factors of care are often relinquished. The more we feed a cat, the healthier it gets. But we are then also introduced to a larger population problem and an even larger conflict concerning responsibility. If the responsibility for feral cats is left to the people themselves, feeding them only perpetuates their success. But if one does not take the responsibility to feed these animals, then who is responsible for their death? This leaves another conflict of interest at our feet. People fail to acknowledge that feeding a cat means taking on more responsibility than simply handing over some food. Once you start to feed it, it gets healthier. And so in a way, you are helping that cat flourish. You've signed on for something bigger. It's possible you have even become the legal owner of that cat. And with ownership comes new obligations. Let's hear one man's story of why he felt responsible to feed feral cats. And how I started taking care of them. I came out of Target one morning, and it was pouring rain. And there were these two ladies over there feeding the cats. And I looked behind the wall over there where they had the dry food, and it was soaking wet. So I said, well, I'll go help them get some dry food at Target. And I started helping, and the more I started helping, the less that they showed up. And it kind of was either left on me or nobody, and either walk away and have a guilt trip or uh, take care of them. Maybe you too have once left water and food out for a stray animal. Does that make you the owner? Are you now responsible for that animal's life? What about that animal's offspring? The cute kittens that come every spring? What about the diseases that cat might contract or spread and the costs of treating them? Is that your problem? What about the victims of that cat? The birds, the mice, the lizards, are you responsible? What about the whole urban ecology of Los Angeles? Can feeding a single cat make you responsible for nature? As you can see, feeding one cat can lead to a multitude of other burdens. It is a mess that cannot be cleaned up by one person alone. But do you have the willpower to walk by a hungry cat and not feed it? This is a true story. I was walking home from my from dinner 
and I literally caught like a feral kitten. I don't know how. I just like he was so hungry and so starving. He was like very old. And I had to give him like my Mexican food leftovers. <laughs> he d- was not happy to see me. This cat was very afraid. But he, then he just needed food so much that like he eventually I just like grabbed him, and then he was so happy to be eating. He like barely noticed that I even put him in a carrier. Emmanuel Kant famously said, we can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. Kant was referring to cruelty. Someone who is cruel to animals is likely to be cruel to humans. But what about caring and being compassionate for these animals? Are we not also harming the community by increasing the feral cat population problem? Are we not potentially harming the cat by being healthy enough to live in a dangerous environment? I feed them really good food besides canned food. I give them chicken every night that I cook, thighs and breasts. I give them salmon that I cook at $10 a pound. So I feed them really well. It's expensive. So um, full-time job. Ownership and all of its responsibilities is expensive. We might take a second to be thankful for people who sacrifice their time and put in hard work and dedication to care for these abandoned animals. Some people fall into motherly tendencies to care for these cute, cuddly creatures, unaware of the issue it creates. Because, well, if you didn't continue caring for them, who would? And if you stopped, would that make you responsible for the death of these cats? If one cat leads to another, it can create a new problem. Here's a well-known veterinarian explaining what happens and how people have responded. I think there's a lot of people who feed cats that if they're feeding them and the cats are doing well, they end up with way more cats than they started with. So, you know, you started with two cats the first year, by the next year you have 10 cats and they go, holy crap, I can't afford to feed all these cats. Or I don't want to feed this many cats. What do I do? A subset of those people find, track, neuter, and return. And that's how many, many people who I've talked to got started with this. They were casting around for help when they were doing what they thought was the right thing. So what we really try and encourage people to do is, if you're going to feed, you need to also neuter. The problem of too many healthy cats in the city is not just caused by people abandoning cats in the city, but also by people helping too many cats in the city. Over the years, more and more programs devoted to this problem have sprung up. Programs like Alley Cat Allies or Fix Nation, who devote themselves to trapping cats fixing them, and then returning them to the city, so-called trap-neuter return programs. Trap-neuter return programs see themselves as the superheroes who are taking responsibility to reduce the feral cat population problem, they hope, by stopping cats from breeding. Let's hear how this TNR system works from Karin Myers, the co-founder from Fix Nation. Realizing there's a much better answer than killing or banishing cats, humane cat lovers have developed a process called trap-neuter-return, or TNR. In this method, engaged citizens safely trap homeless cats, transport them to a vet like Fix Nation to be spayed or neutered, and vaccinated. 
and then return them to their outdoor home to be cared for thereafter. Fixing them prevents thousands of additional cats from being born, and giving food and shelter allows them to live peacefully and die naturally. Although TNR organizations will cover the cost of fixing and sometimes other veterinary care, such as vaccines and injury recovery, these organizations would not function without the helping hands of the community, placing the responsibility of trapping to those willing to do so. Unfortunately, it isn't clear whether TNR is working to reduce the cat population. In most cases, the scientific literature says no. In a few small cases, it might help. I remember growing up here, when you saw an outdoor cat, it was really, really rare. Rare enough that I would knock on doors, did your cat get out? You know, and that has totally changed. People who argue in favor of TNR are often cat people. How can you be in favor of TNR and love cats at the same time? If you call yourself an animal rights activist, which a lot of these people do, you cannot be pro-outdoor cats because of all of the other animals who are dying as a result of it. You just can't. It means you, you are a cat rights activist. You know, and even then, that's questionable because of what happens to the cats. But you're totally ignoring all of these other animals who are being killed as a result of what we're doing with domestic animals. TNR exists to keep cats alive to prevent cities and neighborhoods from euthanizing these cats. In fact, even the TNR system abdicates responsibility for feral cats after they are released, leaving cats unable to reproduce, but able to spread diseases and at risk of being injured. Uh, it facilitates ongoing predation on wildlife. It facilitates or normalizes abandonment, and it facilitates continued disease transmission to and from cats. It's also, as PETA has said, inhumane to the cats because they're at higher risk of you know, traumatic events, being hit by cars, disease, injury, poisoning, and, and cruel mistreatment by, by people around them. Certainly, killing cats is wrong, but keeping them alive isn't always right either. But there is another issue. It's one thing to feed a cat, but cats also require health care. Some feeders will go out of their way to provide health care. But let's hear a case where a feeder took health care for a feral cat to an extreme. A year after I got him well, from the stress of it all, he developed a disease called feline infectious peritonitis. FIP, his abdomen filled up with fluid. The middle of his body swelled up like he looked like a pear. And I took him to the vet, and she stuck a syringe into him, pulled out with her needle, yellow fluid, and she said, your great kitty here has FIP disease, and it's fatal. And I said, what else could it be? She said, a heart condition. I said, drain the fluid. She drained a liter, and she said, if it fills up again, you need to get him put to sleep and it filled up again. I did this four times. I spent twelve dollars or $1,300 on a stray kitty, and after the fourth time, he stopped eating and drinking water, and he couldn't pee or poop. And that's when I brought him into my bed and held him why they overdosed him and euthanized him, why I was holding him, petting him, telling him how much I loved him coming into my life. 
This feeder's kindness in this case quickly turns to a kind of cruelty. Keeping a cat alive against all odds and against all advice to the contrary from veterinarians. What is the right thing for this feeder to do? Maybe there is such a thing as overbearing responsibility. Move out one level in the concentric circle. A healthy cat leads to more healthy cats, and the problem of controlling reproduction is one thing. But not all cats are healthy, and FIP is not the only disease cats can carry. CNR also creates unsafe conditions for the public. You know, anytime you introduce a, a species in the environment, you have potential um, disease concerns, and cats can carry and transmit a, a large number of diseases. And many of those are problematic, not just for wildlife, but also for people. TNR does not solve the problem of, or take the responsibility for, diseases spread by the feral cat population. Rabies, toxoplasmosis, ringworm, salmonellosis, campylobacter infection, giardia, cryptosporidium infection, roundworms, hookworms, and cat scratch disease, all zoonotic diseases that can be spread to humans from cats, as well as to other cats. Cats themselves can spread feline immunodeficiency virus and feline leukemia virus, which can lead to death if untreated. You know, you see a lot of unvaccinated and insufficiently vaccinated cats in, in TNR programs. Uh, typically what happens is a cat is trapped, it is sterilized, it's given a single rabies shot, and then chucked back outside. In the United States, cats are the top carrier of rabies among domestic animals. The National Association of State Public Health Veterinarians, their compendium of animal rabies prevention and control, clearly states that a, a cat, dog, ferret, whatever, has to be given a first vaccination for rabies. Then after one year, it has to be given a booster vaccination, and then every one or three years, given a booster. These diseases can easily spread from something as simple as cat feces, to flea bites, to fights with other cats, cat bites, contaminated soil, and skin-to-skin -skin contact. They can also spread to other wildlife in the area, contaminating the entire community. But then again, who takes responsibility for the entire community? TNR, unfortunately, especially when a community takes up TNR, it leaves those that don't want to have cats running around their backyard and, and pooping in their garden with few options to eliminate the problem. And too frequently, what it results in is potentially cruel behavior. A firefighter and his mother, they're accused of attacking a woman for feeding stray cats. In the feral cat population can be overwhelming in some communities and can even lead to violence. says she was repeatedly punched by LA City fire engineer. In some cases, 
People will go further than simply asking their neighbors to stop feeding the stray cats. And things can get ugly. He said that they were pooping in his backyard and that they attacked his dog. It got hostile and then I got punched and knocked out. Heady cat fights are now occurring between people. With the conflicting viewpoints surrounding the subject of feral cats and how to approach them, there is now more to worry about than overpopulation and disease. There is also violence. Now you know the answer to the question, why was she feeding these cats? And you now may be more aware of the answer to, why was the firefighter so upset by it? Now, you're once again seeing a homeless cat in your city. That cat is still hungry. But now that you are more aware of the pros and cons of leaving a stray cat alone, feeding it so it's not hungry, trapping it for TNR, maybe providing too much care, the risk of disease and disturbance, what would you do? Are you responsible? This episode of the Labyrinth Podcast was produced by Niaz Sassoonian. Audio engineer, Adam Wand. Research by the Labyrinth team, including Jessica Lynch, Chase Niesner, Soledad Altrudi, Aditi Halba, Spencer Robbins, Bradley Cardozo, Sarah Zemer, Niaz Sassoonian, and Emma Horton. Art and design by Amisha Gadani. Special thanks to all the people who've helped with this research who remain anonymous here, and also to the Laboratory for Environmental Narrative Strategies for collaborating on this podcast series. The Labyrinth Project was funded by the UCLA Sustainable LA Grand Challenge Program and the UCLA Institute for Society and Genetics. Additional audio notes, background information, and credits can be found on our website, labyrinth.garden. Hey there, this is your friendly labyrinth expert. Just so you know, there's another passageway that leads away from here to another story that is strangely similar. In 2020, Los Angeles declared victory as a no-kill community. Best Friends is the nation's largest sanctuary for homeless animals. Best Friends is also a direct descendant of the Process Church of the Final Judgment, one of the most famous Satanist cults of the 1970s. They were like hippies that worshiped God and Satan. I thought, well, there's a concept that you can, you know, how can you lose if you believe in both? But when the Process Church gave up Satan in 1983 to become an animal sanctuary, they lost something. Is it too late to bring Satan back into the no-kill movement? WWSD. What would Satan do? If you want to follow that passageway, it's the episode called Also Satan. Did you bring thread? Does this maze have a monster? Find out. Good luck. <laughs>